One of our favorite pastimes as a family here and there are to look at old pictures. Old pictures or old videos of our family through the years. When they were younger, our kids were younger, what we would do is we'd interview them. Anybody do this? We would interview them almost every year. Once a year, every year, we'd go back and we would compare notes. And so it's a really interesting exercise to do this. Sometimes we do this after dinner. Um, but our kid, we just laugh at a lot of the pictures. Our kids can't believe how little they were and how their voice, maybe their voices and what their voices sounded like a year ago or two years ago or what they thought was really cool and how mature they thought they were four years ago that they look at today and go, I can't believe I thought I was that cool. I thought I was mature. I thought I knew everything. And the truth is, it's good for parents, too, to look at your own life in those pictures and go, remember where we were then? And hard thing about parenting is this. You don't see their growth, physical or spiritual or just life in general. You don't see their growth like you do when you look at something four years ago. When you look at your life yesterday and the day before, you're like, where's the growth? But when you look at yourself or your kids four years ago, you see where the growth often is. Kids, let me ask you this morning, what are the different factors that have helped you grow up a little bit? When you look at that video or you see those pictures and you can say, well, I've just gotten bigger, like I'm physically bigger. Or maybe you say, well, just time. Time has helped me mature. Or circumstances where you go, man, I've been through this, this, and this now as a seven-year-old. And so I've grown up a little bit. And maybe you don't say this, but I want you to remember something really important. Do you know who in your life, beyond God, who is working in your life, for sure, baseline, do you know who God has put in your life to help you grow up, to help you mature, to help you change, to help you knock off a few of those rough edges? Do you know who that is? You see, God, that's right, Jesus. That's first, Jesus. But God has your parents, don't roll your eyes, has your parents in your lives. And you know what they are like? They're tools. They're the instrument that God uses to mold you and shape you. And here's the thing, kids. God is shaping mom and dad, too. He's shaping you, but you know what he's called your parents to do? To help mold you and shape you and help you grow. And I know that sometimes is painful, and sometimes you don't want to hear what they have to say, like the word no or not yet or I want to do it my way, and it doesn't work for mom and dad. Anybody know what an anvil is? It's an old kind of tool. What's an anvil? An anvil, I'm going to answer that one before somebody does. An anvil is a piece of iron metal. And maybe your dad has this in, your, in his workshop. I don't know. But my dad had one of these, and it was this metal slab. It was an iron piece of slab, and in the middle, it was just this flat surface of Iron, it was strong, and the ends kind of looked like a point, a metal point on both ends. It kind of looked like a shape of a saddle a little bit. 
And what my dad would do is he would shape metal. He would take a piece of crooked metal and he would put it on the hard iron anvil. And he would take a hammer and he would smash it and smack it. And what he was doing to that crooked piece of metal was he was straightening it out. He was forming it into the object that he wanted to form it in to be useful, to be helpful. But you know what would happen when I would watch him do it? It was noisy. And also, you would start seeing sparks fly everywhere, everywhere. Parents, you know what God is doing with you? Here's what he's doing, and he's doing that in your family. He's using the anvil of family life, mom and dad, to mold and shape you. And kids, you know what else? God has given your parents authority. He has given them responsibility to mold and shape you as well. And it's not always pleasant, is it? It's not always fun to be molded and shaped. But God has given you that tool, kids, in your life to mold and shape you. So kids, if, if you watched a video from last year in your life or two years ago or five years ago, in what ways would you say, your mom and dad say, that you've grown, that you've grown up, that you've matured, yes, physically, but also in the way that you respond to your parents? And mom and dad, how has God used your kids to mold and shape you over the years? Discipline. I got Jesus and discipline. Amen. You're, you, you got the passage already. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll be in verses 1 through 4, page 979 in your Bible. See, we need some help, don't we? Kids, don't you need help to honor your parents, to obey your parents? Mom and dad, don't you need some help not to provoke your kids to anger because they won't obey and honor you? Don't you need some help? Don't you need some help in instructing and training them up in the way that they should go? There's a lot of guilt and shame in that sometimes. You need help. We need help with that task. The reason God gives us these commands in this passage is because we need work there, and we need God to be at work. As Robbie said last week, there's no way, like last week, you can pull off your role in your marriage. You can't pull off your role in your family without God's supernatural help through his spirit at work in your life. So let's look at these roles that God gives us in the Christian home. The roles, kids, that you play in your home. The roles that dad and mom play in your home. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. In the first three verses, kids, these are really primarily directed to you. It's interesting because Paul would have, he wrote this letter and it was sent to the church in Ephesus. And you know what would happen in the church? Those churches would meet in homes. And they didn't have, probably didn't have the kids' Sunday school class back then. And so everybody in the church in Ephesus would be listening to these words and learning these words that you see here. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Let me read it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Ever heard that, kids? For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that why? It may go well for you and that you may live long in the land. And then it shifts. We go from kids' responsibilities 
to parents' responsibilities. Fathers, do not provoke, agitate your children to anger. Be a stumbling block. But, there's a contrast, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So first, kids, we're going to talk. We're going to talk a little bit about your role in your family, something that's really hard. And here's your first thought, kids. Kids, obeying and honoring your parents does a couple of things. The first thing it does is it pleases God. It's right. And the second thing that happens out of that is this. It goes well for you. It's good for you. Do you see that in the text? Look at it with me. There's two commands here. Two commands that God gives you, kids, to grow up under the authority of your parents. The parents in your home. And there's three reasons. There's three reasons why. Look at the first one. The word you love the best. It tastes like broccoli, right? Obey. Obey your parents. Robbie talked last week about the role of husband and wife and this idea of submission. And he talked about how it's right and good for a wife to follow and respect and honor her husband and submit to her husband. And it's a voluntary thing. God wants it, but it's voluntary. Let me tell you something, kids. This word here for obey is not voluntary. All right? You got to do it. God calls you to it. But notice something else in the text, kids. This is important too. It says, in the Lord, just like a wife in a family should not follow the authority of her husband, if her husband asks her to do something sinful and wrong, if your parents ask you, and this is usually, I would assume in this room, not a lot of examples, so don't go there in your heart. There are times if your mom and dad ask you to lie, then you shouldn't do it. So you should obey them in the Lord, which is about 99% of the time, just FYI. You should obey them. This Greek word just means obey. It's not voluntary. It's following them in the Lord. It's follow their lead. And the second term, do you see it there? What else are you supposed to do? You're supposed to honor them. One of the ways in which you can really obey your parents is that you you have the attitude of honor. And really what honoring your parents looks like, it's the attitude in which you respond to them. You ever heard the phrase in your home, I expect you to obey the first time? What's the second part of it? With the right heart, what is it? Attitude? My parents said that to me. I say that to my kids all the time. I can't believe it. It's an attitude. Honor is an attitude that you see their position and who they are with a lot of weight and a lot of value. Think, students, maybe you have a ball coach or someone in your life that's not your parents, that's an authority in your life. Maybe it's a teacher at school. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's like the president or the governor, somebody in high position, and you naturally treat them with honor because of their position and the position that you hold. When I talk to my kids, oftentimes we talk about their ball coaches and how much honor and respect they have for the ball. That's the way you're supposed to operate in your home, to have honor for your parents in the position that God has put them in in your home. And look at the next part of this. Honor and obey, there are the commandments. 
And then it says this. Look at it there. It says this is the first commandment with a promise. Do you see the parentheses in that text? Well, what's out of the Ten Commandments, kids? Is that the first commandment? What's the first commandment in the Ten Commandments? Have no other gods before me, right? So in what sense is this the first commandment with a promise? Well, if you were in Israel, there are two tables to those commandments, the Ten Commandments. The first table is the first five commandments. And if you think about those first five commandments, those are all directed toward your relationship with God. But the second table of the commandments are directed toward your earthly relationships, i.e. mom and dad, kids, right? And so the fifth commandment says what? Honor your father and your mother. And so this is what Paul is saying. He's saying this is the commandment with a promise. And what's the promise? Look at the three reasons that he gives here, that Paul gives here. The first one is simple, isn't it? It is what? It's right. It's interesting when you go to the book of Colossians. Colossians 3 is the same summary. Wives to husbands, children to parents, servants to masters. It's just a condensed version. And you know what it says in Colossians 3, 21? It doesn't say it is right. It says it is pleasing to God. It's the same idea. So the first reasons, kiddos, listen. The first reason you should obey your parents is not because mom and dad said so even though you are honoring your parents when they say, because I said so. That's enough. It's not wrong. It's just not the first reason. Take note, parents. The first reason that your kids should obey and honor you is what? This is what you have to teach your kids. It's not just about your law and what you bring to the table. It's about God and how it pleases God. That is a great tool, by the way, for parenting. When you say, hey, this isn't really about me. This is about you pleasing God. And so the first reason and primary reason, kids, that you obey and honor your parents is about God. And here's the thing. Your parents aren't perfect. I know that's a newsflash for you. I, maybe you think, man, my mom and dad are perfect. They're not perfect. And they mess up. And so the primary reason that you obey is not because they're worthy of your obedience, is because God calls you to that. And that's really difficult sometimes. The second reason, though, is this. The second reason, do you see it there? Because it will go well for you. Let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever been disciplined by your parents for saying, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir? Have you ever been disciplined by your parents for obeying them the first time? Like your mom took your, your, your media away because you obeyed so well? Has that ever happened in your life? No. Son, you are just too respectful. I'm going to punish you. Has that ever, ever happened? Not at all. Sarcasm doesn't count. I know all the traps. It goes well for you. What would your life look like, kids? And I'm going to assume in this room there's a lot of different forms of discipline that show up in your home. Don't say them out loud. 
All right? I'm just going to assume for, for those of you that are younger, there may be some timeouts that happen when you don't obey, when you directly disobey your parents, or maybe your mom and dad spank your bottom. That's biblical, by the way. Maybe they spank your bottom. Maybe they take away media. Maybe it's a combination of all of these things. Maybe it's they send you to your room. I don't know. But here's what I do know. It does not go well for you, and you can fill in the gaps, Right? of the ways in which your parents discipline you when you don't obey, when you don't honor them, when you argue and argue and argue, where you say, I'm going to do it my way. You know why you do that, ultimately? You do that because you want to be the boss. All of us, your parents included, want to be the boss. And the problem, ultimate problem, is not behavior. You know what the ultimate problem in your heart is? The ultimate problem in your heart is that you were sinful and you're separated from God. And so all of us, all of us want it our way. And so when your parents talk to you about Jesus and your need for Jesus, hopefully they're doing that in the middle of disciplines where it's not just punishment, but it is, listen, what you did is wrong. And I know you do it over and over and over again. Who do you think can help you the most? It's not me, it's the Lord. And that's what you need most because on your own, you can't obey. On your own, you can't honor your parents because there's this sin nature in you and there's things that you do that say, I'm the boss. And you need Jesus to be the boss so that you can submit to the authority that God has put over you in your parents and ultimately, this is about trusting the Lord, isn't it? I want to show you some examples in the Bible of this, kids. Proverbs chapter 3. You ever studied look, or looked at the book of Proverbs? Maybe your mom and dad have shared the book of Proverbs with you. There's a lot of different themes in the book of Proverbs. And one of them is this. Mom and dad give kids instruction and commandments and then the kids should rep respond in a certain way. So you see the example of moms and dads training and teaching and the encouragement from your mom and your dad to obey because it goes well for you. Listen to these words. And this is all over the Proverbs. You can, especially the first 10 chapters. Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 6. I think we have the words up here. Look at this, okay? My son or my daughter... Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Obey, right? For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do you see the promise? That it goes well for you, that it's right and good, and it's for your benefit. They're not out to get you. They love you, and they care about you, and they want the best for you. Verse 3 let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of not only your parents, but God. It pleases God. And you know this next verse, don't you? Some of you know known this most of your life. You've been taught this. You've memorized this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path Straight, have you ever connected that verse with its context and what it's saying? He's talking to kids. Trust in the Lord 
is going, I'm going to trust God with my parents and their instruction for me because it means it will go well. Listen, your obedience and you honoring your parents is ultimately about you trusting God, about you trusting God with them. And maybe some days I did the same thing. I said, why in the world, God, did you give me these parents? Do you ever say that in your head? Don't say it out loud. Maybe you said that in your head. Why? And usually it's when you've been disciplined. But believe, believe and trust that God is working through them. I'm going to promise you something. They don't enjoy it either. They don't enjoy that anvil and that hammer in your life to mold and shape you in ways over and over and over. I promise you they don't enjoy it, but they know it's worth it to help shape and mold you. Proverbs 6. And if you need an example, let me give you an example of a person in Scripture. Let me give you an example of Jesus. And maybe you say, when I go there, maybe you say, hey, well, Jesus was perfect. He was better than his parents. His parents sinned. Why should he obey them? You ever thought that? Well, I'm not Jesus. Do you know what the Bible says about Jesus? Do you remember when he went to the temple? I don't know, the first time I read this passage in Luke, I thought, oh, Jesus is disobeying his parents. He wasn't disobeying. They were at the temple when Passover came, and Jesus, they, they go to the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus stays there, and his parents walk out. He left the kid, right? 12 years old. Any 12-year-olds in here? Jesus stayed there, and his parents were like, where, where have you been? We're worried about him. Parents ever, kids, your mom and dad ever worry about you? And he said, I'm in my father's house, which was true. But then you know what the text says? It said he went back to Nazareth, which is where Jesus' home was. And he, here's the word, submitted. Jesus submitted to his parents. He obeyed them. He went home with them. And then the Bible says in verse 51, it says that Jesus in his humanity grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God, his Father, and man. And think deeply with me about Jesus and his heavenly Father, right? He had a heavenly Father, and what did he do with his heavenly Father? He was the Son. What did he do? He obeyed his heavenly Father. He submitted to his Father's plans, even when it was hard. And so what a great example for us. If Jesus was willing to submit to his earthly parents, how much more, right? How much more should we do that as people who need some help, who aren't perfect like Jesus? So consider that, kids. Here, here, here's a picture of what it's like. I don't know if you saw today, but outside it looked like it's going to rain. So what do you do when it rains? When you go outside and the boys are going to say, I run in the rain, I don't need an umbrella, and it breaks down. But here's the point. What you do in the rain is you put a covering over you when it's raining really bad, don't you? You put an umbrella over you. You know what your parents, one of the roles that they have in your life is, is covering to help you learn and grow. And so when things are happening in the rain, in the trouble, in the storm, instead of you running out into the mess that is harmful for you, there's an umbrella that they're caring for you and it may not feel like that. You may want to run out in the rain. And some of you kids, you may say, well, it's not an umbrella in my family. It's like, the, it's like that big ball around me, and I can't do anything without my mom and dad worrying about me. Maybe so. Maybe mom and dad need to work on that. 
But their job is to give an umbrella over you to care for you and protect you, even when you don't understand. Even when you go, I got a better way. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You know what the last verse, verse 7 says? Don't be wise in your own eyes, meaning don't believe that you know better than mom and dad. I think all the kids want to go to kids' church now. So let me ask you, kids, what area, think about it today, okay? Do me that favor. Think about what area in your life do you really need to work on? Just trust in mom and dad. What area do you need to go home? Maybe you write it down. Maybe take a piece of paper, that worship guide that you're drawing pictures of right now, and you write it down. What do I need to work on? How can I honor my mom and dad better? And not play it off like I'm just, co- I'm just joking. In what ways do I need to obey them where I really don't want to, but I know it pleases you, and I know if I do it, it, it goes well for me. It's interesting, parents, I'm going to turn to you even in these first three verses. Many of us adults, though, still have parents who are with us. Some of us, our parents have, have passed. But while you don't have to obey as an adult your parents anymore, you've left the home, you're on your own, you've moved out, you've leaved and cleaved in your marriage, you do have to honor your parents. The Bible is really clear. Grown adults still need to honor the fifth commandment with a promise that we honor our father and mother. It doesn't mean we always agree with their decisions doesn't mean as they're aging that we agree with what they want to do. But you're still adults with parents. You're still called to honor mom and dad. What does that look like for you? And beyond that, there's something not explicit, parents, in the text for you in verses 1 through 3, but it's implicit. If a child or your children are called to obey you, to submit to you, to honor you, and God has put you as a gatekeeper in your home for that to happen? Are you calling your kids to obey? Not just because you said so, because God has given you that role. Have you called them to honor you because it honors the Lord? Let's not mistake grace-based parenting. Hear this. Do not mistake grace-based parenting where you're gracious with your child for permissiveness. And I say that as a fellow struggler, a fellow struggler who says, man, my kid has done this over and over and over, and I got three of them, and I'm tired, and it's just too hard to be consistent. It's just too hard in their, and here's, let me phrase this, in their direct disobedience to go there because I'm just tired. We've all been there. I've been there. I've struggled. There are days and weeks where I'm like, I'm done. I'm so tired of this. But the calling of God for the sake of loving and caring for your kid is to be consistent whether you're tired or not. The calling for you and I implicitly in this text is to when our kids directly disobey us and God's law for us to press in 
for us to use it as opportunity to mold and shape them. And here's the tendency in parenting, and I, don't, I think it's our own insecurities, and that's the truth. When we look at the book of Ephesians, we have to be walking with the Lord and the measurable richness of his grace. We have to be walking as mom and dad together in marriage, as we talked about last week, well. All the stuff in our own life will come out for sure in our parenting. Maybe it's we fear, well, my kid won't love me. My kid won't love me if I actually call them to the place that God calls them. You're, there's something inside that says, well, here, how are they going to respond? Or maybe it's the past. Maybe it's, well, my parents raised me this way, and so I don't want to be like that, so I'm going to overdo it and be a permissive parent. You can't do it. If you do, you'll raise little monsters. And I don't mean that rude, but you will raise kids that run you over. And the Bible has some strong, strong language for this. If you're not willing to go there, the Bible says you hate your child. That's not me saying it. That's the Bible saying it. You hate your child if you're not willing to take the tool. And maybe it's a mallet, okay? To take the tool and chisel to help them grow and learn. Yes, verse 4, we're going to get to how we do that. But the what never changes. The what of it never changes. This is God's word. If you put the child psychologist book next to the word of God and you prefer that over because your kid is different, the principles stay the same. It doesn't matter because this kid is this way or this kid is that way. Or maybe the internal book that you have in your heart is, my parents did it this way, so this works. Or my parents did it that way and I don't like it, so I'm going to do it the other way. And if you grew up in the church, I'm going to preach a little bit. If you grew up in the church, what often happens is this. Your parents are trying to use these biblical principles, and the how they did it may have been wrong. Maybe the how they did it, and maybe they did it completely wrong, and you're going to do it different. But if you doing it different means you're not taking the Word of God, which is inspired by God, which is not the latest secular child psychologist book, it's the word of God. The creator has given you principles in his word. If you're not willing to go there, you're not loving your kid. You're not helping them grow up in the teaching and instruction of the Lord. And that doesn't mean you have to be harsh. It means that you do have to be the gatekeeper, though. And this is a difficult task, and we all fail at it. I fail at it. Ask my kids. Don't ask my kids. But take the word of God seriously. For whatever reason, I think we live in this culture that calls permissive parenting, grace-based parenting, those are two very different things. All right, kids, you had verse one through three. Now, parents, you got verse four, even though I just went, went there in verses one through three with you. You got verse four. Look at verse four. This is directed at parents and Fathers, specifically, look at it with me. Fathers, here's your thought in verse 4. Fathers and mothers. Fathers, you have to intentionally, and mothers, you have to intentionally disciple your kids. That's what he's teaching here. Do you see it? The first part of verse 4 is a warning. Do not provoke your kids to anger. Why would there be anger? There would be anger and provoking because my kid doesn't obey. My kid doesn't honor me, verse 1 through 3. And so rather 
than molding and shaping with the mallet. We just take the hard hammer and start hammering away. And that's not what God has ever had in mind. And I'm guilty a million times. What's the difference in training up a child and provoking them? Man, I got a top 10 list. You got yours too. Ways in which you have provoked your children. And let me, let me, let me throw in a caveat, kids. I've done this a number of times. You not getting your way with something your parents have asked you to do or not do is not provoking you. Well, I responded this way because my parents made me do this or not do this. That's not provoking. Provoking is thing, are things like this. Something has happened in the home, and I'm just continuing to go off on my kid because they didn't obey over and over and over and over again, and I won't let it go for hours or days. Even after I've walked through a discipline process where my kid has repented and taken the consequence of discipline and instruction that I just keep going back to it over and over and over again because really it just makes me feel better. I'm taking a pound of flesh. That is an example of provoking. And the reason I give you an example because I've done it. Comparison. I, here's a comparison, right? Where you're constantly comparing your kid to you. <laughs> when I was a kid, I would never dot, dot, dot. That's just not true, all right? Maybe you misremember your childhood. You probably do. Go talk to the grandparents. They can tell you, kids, or maybe they don't. Comparison. Maybe you compare your kids with yourself. It's not your aim here. Maybe you compare them with other kids well, Susie doesn't do that. Why do you do that? Or maybe you compare it with your siblings. Ouch. Or maybe you compare it, well, that kid is a better ball player than you. You may not say it that way, but all the actions when the game is over, dads, points to, well, he's better than you, and that was my sport. Or maybe it's just their behavior, and you've got a reputation to uphold. I'm the pastor. You're a pastor's kid. You better act this way. I've never done that. God's grace to me too, right? There's challenging here. We provoke, we discourage. The, the Bible says, we, we, we did Colossians 3 again, that it's discouraging to our kids when we go on and on or we provoke them to anger. And we're guilty and we need the Savior. We need Christ to show up. And what I find in my own life is this. There's a lot of different ways you provoke your kids, but here's one of the heart. The heart of it is this, I think. Whenever I replace Jesus, which could happen any day, whenever I replace Jesus as my all in all, in my identity, when my identity is not found in him, one of the places my identity goes is where? My kids. When my identity gets wrapped up in my kids, their performance, their behavior, now my expectations of them are wrongly shaped. That can happen in marriage, but it can also happen with your children where they become the functional idol in your heart and it often gets dumped on them as provocation. Your expectations of them, rough, 
So that's tough. It's tough for your kids to obey and honor you when we provoke our, our kids. Maybe you ask in this passage, well, maybe you're a mom here and you go, well, that's for you, dad. It says fathers. <laughs> Why do you think it says fathers? We've already said that the fathers are the leaders of the home. So that's, I think, one reason Paul uses it. Another reason is probably because God has, has given mothers as caretakers of the children, of the home, primarily. And yet, you see all the way through Scripture, specifically instruction and discipline being given to the fathers. And it's really easy, dads, isn't it? It's really, really easy to just go, well, you got child-rearing child in the home, you get discipline as well. And the Bible here with Paul saying, no, 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 fathers, you're the leader you're the leader, and don't abdicate that responsibility to mom. She needs your help. And then last, there's a cultural thing going on in the first century. In the first century, both in Jewish families and in Gentile families, which most of these families come out of, the fathers ruled the home with an iron fist. They were harsh, and they viewed it as their job. There were no checks and balances. And so most fathers in the first century were hard and harsh with their families. And that was the cultural norm. So I think this gospel truth is radical for this first century hearing. Wow, fathers have to be engaged. They're not just the hammer. And look at the three things it says there. It says that they bring up, and it's not the greatest of translation to give you all the meaning of the phrase bring up, but the idea of bringing up in the Greek here is this, it's nourishment. Like physically your kids are going to grow, but spiritually they're going to grow through encouragement. I've already hit the other side of it. Here it's encouragement. You have to raise them up. You have to encourage them. You have to build them up. You have to nourish and feed them and care for them and tell them the ways in which God is working in their life and how they're doing great. You have to bring them up is the emphasis. The second thing it says is this, fathers and mothers, but fathers, bring them up, feed them nourishment, encourage, love, don't just put down. Yes, they have to obey you. Yes, they need to honor you. But if you spend 99% of your time as this hammer all the time, and you're not also encouraging them, that's provocation. And then he says, not only bring up, here's a different angle, discipline, that's corrective. That's warning them. That's disciplining them. That's taking that mantle up and, and showing them a better way. It's not punishment. Discipline and punishment are two different things. Punishment is easy. Punishment is, you did this, you're punished for three weeks or three days, they're in your room, there's no discussion. Discipline is, hey, let's talk about it. Do you understand that this is wrong? What do you, how should you respond to it, young man, young woman? I need to confess. All right, let's pray. Let's talk through this. I want to see you right with the Lord and right with us. And yes, and after that, there is, kids, know this. There's probably consequence to teach you. And those are right and good. There's discipline. There's also instruction. This is, fathers especially, you've got to bring your kids along and train them and teach them how to obey, how to honor, 
how to do life skills stuff, to train them how to talk to another adult, to train them how to come to church and open their Bibles and know their Word of God, specifically in the Lord as His emphasis, so spiritually, fathers, training and instructing them. That's quite a combination, isn't it? You've both got to be an encouragement, and you've got to be corrective, and you've got to do discipline. You know what that is? Thinking about it this way, you've got to be a shepherd of your kids' hearts, not just their behavior. You've got to shepherd them and care for them, and that takes different forms, not one or the other. Deuteronomy 6 says it this way. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, mom and dad says this. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. What words? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? That's what comes before this in verse 4 and 5. These words, God's greatest commandments, you shall, verse 7, teach them how? Diligently to your children. You shall, and, and, and where? You should talk to them. When you sit down in your house, I think that's probably more formal, so they're hearing it. When you walk by the way, that's more informal. And when you lie down, bedtime. When you rise, morning, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand that they may see the frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house. This is instruction for parents of what to do with the greatest commandments. Teach them to your kids so they hear it and they see it. That's the role as well, parents, Christian parents to your kids. That's the role that we have. That's a high calling. And maybe you're sitting here going, man, I'm guilty. I don't take the intentional time that I should with my kids. I feel shame, I feel guilt. They're 15 years old, haven't done enough. Praise God for his grace, right? The Bible says that God's grace is what trains us up. Maybe you have sacrificed discipleship of our kids for things like work or other things. There's always time. And God's grace is sufficient. One of the things about kids is they are incredibly resilient. Praise God. I've made some stupid mistakes in every kind of way. And yet, my, my kids are still resilient. Not just their hard heads, their hearts, their resilience. Figure out time. And maybe, parents, the question is this, what can I start doing that I haven't been doing this week to invest intentionally in encouraging them? Or maybe... I encourage them, but I don't discipline and correct the way I should to care for them. And maybe that means it's going to be hard for a little while because they're not used to it. But that's the calling for us as parents. And kids, I'll tell you this. You got to give your kid, you got to give your parents some grace. It's a really hard job, not just, not because you're hard, but parenting is just hard work and they're going to mess up and they're not going to get it right every time. And sometimes as kids, what happens is, is we go, you messed up, so I'm never going to obey you. 
Wait till you're a parent, and you'll find out how difficult it is. But parents, what this is, is it's trusting God with your kids. At the end of the day, you disciplining your discipleship of your kids is, is trusting God. Let me give you, just to encourage you in the gospel a little bit, and gospel truths of God's word. Parents, let me give you a little bit of help, especially if I feel like he beat you up a little bit. I want to give you some gospel principles before we close. You have a calling, and there's nothing more important than being God's tool to shape your kid's soul. Your relationship with the Lord is obviously primo. Your kids also need some boundaries. They need some law. They need God's law. They need some boundaries. But understand something. The law was never meant to change your kid's heart. It was meant to point out the problems of your kid's heart. So the law and behavioral modification will never change your kid's heart. They may figure out in your home how to navigate your laws, and you think they're doing well when their hearts may be far from you and God. Don't ask the law to do what it can't do. Pray that God's grace would do what only it can do in their lives. Also, process. You got to have a long view of parenting. Change is a process in your kid's life just like it is yours. It is not an event. Certainly, when you come to faith in Christ, it changes your forever. It changes the power of sin in your kid's life. But it's still a process. Be patient with them as God is patient with you. Parents, remember that you're, you're not only dealing with bad behavior. You're not just dealing with bad behavior. You're dealing with the condition that causes bad behavior. That's the problem of the brokenness of sin, which makes the gospel really important to put before your kids. Remember that the Bible says that all children is welled up foolishness. And so the problem with your kids and their behavior is also primarily not out there in the crazy world that they live in. Do you understand that? It's not primarily the external world they live in, even though the external world is nuts and it's hard for any kid to grow up in. But the big problem is internal. The foolishness is welt up. And so deal primarily with that not just the externals. A couple more. You're parenting a worshiper. You know that? You're parenting a child who is a worshiper like you are a worshiper. And it's important to remember what rules a child's heart, which is what they worship, is exactly what informs their behavior. So spend time Asking the Lord and observing, what is it that rules my kid's heart? Control. See, the goal of parenting is not control over behavior. That's a myth. I got teenagers. That's a myth. Right? Your, your aim in parenting can never be control. They're two years old and they can do things whether you think you control it or not. And it's important to have boundaries. But you're not controlling and 
as they get over, that becomes clear. The heart and life is what you're looking at. The heart and life change is really what you're looking for. Control can't change your kid. You certainly have a, a responsibility for the environment, but control doesn't change your kid. And this is really important, and I'll finish up. The only way you're going to have patience as a parent and right-sized expectations is finding your rest in God's presence and His grace. Otherwise, you won't be joyful, and you can't rest anywhere because you think it all relies on you and what you do, and it doesn't. And last, and this is really important as we close out, no parent gives mercy better than the one who is convinced that they need mercy themselves, right? No parent is, gives mercy better than the one who's convinced that you need the mercy of Christ in your life as well. I opened with old videos, and so let me close with them. One of the things we talked about is old videos help us see, help us see how we've grown, maybe embarrassingly, kids, but also adults, it also helps us see. It helps us see the growth in our kids, but it also makes us ponder and think, how is God changing and molding me? I'm in a different place than I was two years ago, four years ago. You see, God's grace trains us. So your takeaway is this, by the grace of God, trust God's good design for your family. Let me pray.